0: everybody. This is Don Newman, and this is Living a Life Worth Remembering. Uh, this is the show that we dedicated to talking about ways that we can live in a way that our life continues to live on even after our own lifetime has ended. It's about leaving a legacy. And I'm very excited about my guest today. And let me just say off the bat, if you've ever thought that, uh, hey, I'm too far gone, I've missed it, uh, I, I've messed up too much, I want you to listen To my special guest today, because he has a story to tell, a story that is continuing to tell what all God has done. And my special guest today is Mondo (coughs) De La Vega. He's the executive vice president of television production and the co-host of the Jim Baker Show. But he also has his own show. It's an awesome show. You have to check it out. We'll put the link below. It's called The Mondo Show. It airs on the PTL Television Network. His testimony is amazing. It's how God saved him and pulled him out of one of the toughest gangs in LA to now be used by God around the world, changing lives. Mondo, welcome to Living a Life Worth Remembering. Coach,
1: it is an honor, it is a privilege, and I am humbled that you asked me to be on here with you. I always I always count it a blessing when someone wants you around. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, man. I
0: know um, I know there's a lot of people that want to talk to you and hear from you, and and I'm honored that you would take a little bit of time to speak with me. But where you can share this, where I can share this with so many people I know, because I think your testimony is amazing. I, I've heard your testimony several times, and uh, I got to be honest with you. Every time I hear it, you know, because you share not just it's not just like this one line. It's it's your heart you'll share a different aspect of it, uh, but I'm so inspired every time I hear of what God did and how God used your sister and how God took you. In fact, you know, I, I came up with a title for the show. I said, from the streets to the studio. Come um, on, baby. Just an amazing <laughs> transformation, and so Mondo, I just, you know, and, and if this is all we went into, that's okay, because your testimony is so powerful. I'd love for you to share your testimony, and we'll
1: just go from there. Coach, you know, I'm amazed of how far we can go when we say yes to God. Because for a long time in ministry, we get lost in the gifts that God grants us. We fall in love with the calling that God gives us. But we spend the rest of our time trying to find God's will for our lives. And I learned earlier on, Coach, that... It's not about falling in love with the gifts that God gives you. It's not about chasing the call of God in your life, but it's about spending time finding his will. Because when you come out of a place where the streets and everything in society tells you lock them up and throw the key away, there has to be the will of God involved in the midst of that. And coach, I gotta tell you, uh, at at a young age, my world fell apart Mm -hmm. and I've shared a lot of different parts of my story and it's so dramatic and and it's so complex. And and quite frankly, coach life has life got a little bit complicated that it it will be a lifetime trying to share the whole story. But the little bit Mm -hmm. I will share is that God will never leave you. God will never forsake you that God always has always had a plan. I guess one of my favorite scriptures, Coach, before I go into it, is this. Jeremiah talks about, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. And I can stop and preach for the rest of my life just on that one sentence, because I'm glad that someone had a plan for my life. I'm glad that someone took the time to design the journey and the destiny that I found myself out of when life fell apart and i grew up in the streets of los angeles california coach where it became the gang capital of the world it became the murder capital of the world in los angeles every kid in east la every kid in compton every kid in south central uh there was no way out but the gangs, Mm -hmm. right because the gangs offer an atmosphere that looked good sounded good And all we wanted to do is try to survive in it. Without it, we would have been dead. And at a young age, Coach, my life fell apart. When I say my life, I'm talking about my mother's life, my father's life, the family unit. And you got to know this, Coach, as Latinos, family is everything. as Latinos, you got to have that unit in order to strive, in order to make a name for yourself, in order to keep the name and the legacy going family was everything. But what do you do when in 24 hours, your life falls apart? Your destiny falls apart, your journey falls apart. And all of a sudden, the man that was my hero was no longer in the picture. And within hours, my mother went from being a a, a woman that was a family woman, a, a woman that was devout herself into marriage. All of a sudden, that dream of hers fell apart and she became a single mother trying to raise a man Mm -hmm. and here i was finding myself in a location that i had no idea what it was all about a language that i didn't understand english as you can tell is my second language coach so if i mess up a a few pronunciations you're going to have to excuse me uh but english is my second language so when i arrived to america through the citizenship of my mother passing it down to us. She was born and raised in Los Angeles, California, and ended up in Central America, married my father, life was going great, and a crisis hit. I always tell people this, be careful who walks in in the midst of your crisis because they would ch- change the journey of your life. They would change the decisions you make in your life. So when that crisis hit, Coach, we ended up back in Los Angeles, California. And who was there to father me, so to speak? It was the gang. It was the streets. It was the OGs. It was the, the head of, of, of the gangs in that area. And that became my life for a period of time, Coach, that I didn't understand what happened to me. Uh, I didn't understand what took place. How did we end up in Los Angeles? How did we end up in 24 hours? We had family dinner too, and almost seemed like in 24 hours, no one was there to tell me what happened or to walk me through the process of all the changes emotionally, physically, mentally. But yet, God had a plan because God had been speaking to my mother uh, for a long time. But yet, the crisis got bigger and more complicated and more dramatic and and things began to happen out of my control. And out of that, a birth, a young man that got filled with so much anger, a young man that got filled with so much hate, a young man that lost his way, a young man that was trying to survive, yet I had to create an image, Coach, in order to protect that little boy inside of me because I was crying, Coach. I was crying for identity. I was crying for a father figure. I was crying because abandonment is real. And there's mm. times, Coach, if I'm honest with you and your audience, there's times that at night I still dream and I'm crying. I, I cry in the in, in the midst of that nightmare, wandering, looking for my father, looking for my family. And my poor mother, um, sleepless nights, worry, nights where her and I would fight, scream at each other, because now I took on the identity of what the streets wanted me to be, yet I was fighting inside of me because I didn't, I didn't know if I was, I was to become what they were expecting me to become or still be that little boy that fell in love with soccer. And in the midst of that journey, coach, events began to take place that changed my perspective about humanity. I began to witness murders around me at a young age. I didn't know how to process that. I began to uh, deal with uh, guns instead of pencils. And and my first day in school, in the public school in Los Angeles, I got in a major fight to the point where they wanted to kick me out of the district because they didn't know how to handle my anger and and my identity. Yet the gang was telling me that we live to die and we died to live for the neighborhood. Wow! And I don't talk about the gang that I come from because I'll never want to glorify them. I never want to give them credit for what the damage they did to me, but I can tell you coach that they lied to us. They lied to us every single day. They lied to us about the identity that we were trying to gain yet at the end of the day, they didn't care if I, if I lived, they didn't care if I went to prison or not. Now, if I did went to prison, They had a plan for me. Every gang member's story usually ends up either dead or spending prison time or spending the rest of their life in prison. And I didn't want that to be my destiny. Yet the gangs in the streets and the culture and the environment was telling me not to make plans past 18 years old if I could make it to 18 years old. I saw a lot of my friends did not make it to 18 years old. I saw a lot of my homeboys not make it past 18 years old because they installed in our minds that our destiny was to either die six feet underground or to spend the rest of our life in prison. And my hopelessness became even bigger each time I woke up. It became a survival game. It became a survival of identities. It became One lie after another. I think think we became professional liars, professional uh, survivors, professional thieves, professional criminals. Yet we were all wondering, is this it? Is this what life has to offer? The gangs and and the culture of lowriders and the parties and the girls and the money. That was not the problem. The problem was, the question inside of me was, is this it? Because if this is what we have to live and die for, then God, we got to have a conversation. I just didn't know where God was. Even though I knew as a little boy that God had been speaking to my mother through a church service that we went when I was a little boy. And a prophetic voice came to my mother that God has saved us from the crisis that took place with my father and her and that God was going to lead us to a different journey, a different land was a little boy. You don't understand prophecy. You don't, you can't comprehend. So what I did coach is I began to block all the pain. I began to block all the disappointments. I began to block even the memories as a little boy because the pain the pain was so real that I didn't want to face the reality that we had lost everything. And I think as a little boy, I even became embarrassed at the fact that we had nothing to show for. Mm. Therefore, I found myself in the streets of Los Angeles trying to make a name for myself, trying to survive the the wave of crisis after crisis and death and, and drugs. And I, I did everything I could, Coach not to have a girl pregnant because I didn't want to have kids all around just like my homeboys did. So I didn't believe in love. I didn't believe in having kids. I didn't believe, I, I couldn't stay faithful one I, 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 with no one. I, it was just, I was willing to live and die for what they told me. But at the end of the day, my mother was worried that I was going to show up dead in the casket. My mother was worried that her son was not going to come back my mother had to be that father figure, yet she didn't know how to control me. She didn't know how to guide me. She didn't know how to protect me. She didn't know how to show me love. She didn't know how to show me what a man's supposed to look like, what a man's supposed to walk like, what a man's supposed to value. Therefore, I, I allowed the street to put a value on me that someone was getting ready to cash in out of jealousy, out of despite, out of vengeance, And sometimes vengeance without me provoking it. Just the fact that I was associated and affiliated with a gang, I was already guilty. The world, the government, society, I can still remember this. Lock them up, throw the key away. Yet God in his mercy, coach, protected me in moments that I should have been dead. I know I'm talking a lot and I'll let you in right now. But I got to tell you, there are moments in life where God protects you, yet you don't realize it till later in your life. I remember being in a vehicle with my homeboy, and I had to make a phone call. Remember when they had pay phones? <laughs> I told my homeboy to stop the car because I needed to make a phone call to meet up with the other homeboys so we can go do this hit. And I got in an argument with my homeboy driving and I said, hey, it's my turn. I got to go do this phone call. I got to I gotta let him know that I'm down with what, what's happening. I'm not going to back down. And he said, you shut up and you stay in the car. I'm going to go make the phone call. You just sit in the car and wait for me. My homeboy stepped out of the car. The moment he got to the payphone, I saw a car from the rearview mirror driving. Now, remember, we're teenagers. We weren't supposed to be driving. We were driving illegally. We were, we, you know, it's what you do in the streets. You survive. And the moment he got to that pay, pay phone, I hear five shots. And I saw my homeboy, my homeboy just dropped dead. In that moment, I realized that should have been me. In that moment, I was, I was supposed to be the one making that phone call. So now the question, kept getting bigger. Where are you, God? If we can talk, there's a lot we need to have a conversation about, God. There's got to be more to this. Yet, all throughout my process of, 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 of a period of time, Coach, no one stepped into my world to let me hear about hope. People either were too busy. People were afraid to walk into the neighborhood people were afraid to talk about Christ people even though we were surrounded by churches coach no one seemed to step out to walk into our world and tell us that we had a different destiny
0: mm. wow i you know it's a, it's such a compelling story and the 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 part you know that that really got me and, and if you want to Share this because I can't remember the questions, but there were those three questions. Oh yes, sister, that's what. Yeah, I I remember two of them, but I want you share that real quickly, and uh, because I just think that is so important that she stepped into your world and asked those
1: questions, and it was a pivot point for you. Yeah, Uh, why don't you share that? There was a point in my time in my life, coach, where I didn't feel like I had any hope. I was provoking other gangs to kill me. I will walk into neighborhoods. For example, I will walk into the crip neighborhood dressed in all red, hoping they kill me. I will walk into the, the blood neighborhood dressed in all blue so they can kill me. And nothing was happening. I will walk into my, uh, the territories of my enemies, provoking them. Yet, they wouldn't do what they were supposed to do. That was kill me. Now they jumped me and beat me up. But they couldn't end. They couldn't end my life. They couldn't end the misery that I was feeling, the loneliness, the, the the anxiousness that I was feeling. I don't know if anxiousness is a word, but I just made it up, I guess. But I've got to tell you, when you feel so hopeless, you're trying to give God a reason to say, "I told you so." I'm no good. I told you the world's saying this about me. I'm saying this about myself. I'm trying to provoke. And all that turmoil and that argument in my head, the Bible says that the battle takes place in the mind. And whatever happens in the mind, someone said happens in time. So I was hoping that my time will come soon because I couldn't make sense of what was happening. I didn't have a death wish, but maybe I did because I was just wanting this pain to go away. And in the midst of that, a prophetic word came to my sister that her brother was going to find the Lord, that her brother was going to be saved before that year was over. And I got a message for those that are hesitating to preach the gospel. I got a message for you that is wanting to step out in faith, but yet you're afraid of rejection. I want to tell you something, that sometimes God gives you a prophetic word, and that's all you need to grab that word and step out in faith and walk into someone's life. Because your words, the Bible says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. My sister walked into my world risking her reputation, risking her life, risking that people will talk about her, risking at the fact that I will reject her. Yet she believed on the promise of that prophetic word that was given to her earlier that year. And my sister gave me three of the most powerful phrases that till this day I stand on has changed my life and I dwell on it because anytime I struggle I go back to those three phrases. Number 1, what if God is real? Number 2, what if prayer works? And number 3 that really hit me hard, what if you have a different destiny? I wanted to talk to God, yet I didn't know how to talk to God. I didn't know that prayer was a language. Yet, I didn't know if God had a different destiny for me, Coach, because the world told me that my destiny was either to spend the rest of my life in prison or to find myself dead. And if that was my destiny, yet my sister walks in and prophesies, what if you have a different destiny? Those three powerful phrases, without an orchestra, without worship team, without applause, without having social media. And I'm not knocking any of that. All I'm saying is that sometimes you have to focus on the word that God gives you for someone because it can either be life or destiny for them. There's no death in the word of God, life or destiny. And when she did that coach, it inspired, it ignited, it it, it, it became an epiphany for me because now I was willing to deal with that i was willing to negotiate with god and that was the pivot point coach that allowed me to find that window to escape the world didn't give me a window the gangs wasn't offering a window the gang was telling me if you leave you're dying we're killing you we're persecuting you yet the gospel was giving me a different destiny
0: that is so powerful mondo um when i heard that And I've I've heard you share it a couple of interviews that I've seen. And, you know, I'm taken I'm taken back by two things. First off, what you said, the importance that she stopped and asked those questions that she said that to you, you know, and and I think of my own life. And I think of the times that somebody stepped into my life and asked me a question. They cared enough to ask a question. They cared enough to say. You know, uh, do you know that God has a plan for your life? And just the, you know, your, your story is amazing. And it showcases so many wonderful things of how God has used you and, you know, loves you and uh, has done so many things. But I love the pivot point. I love the point where there was that pivot and because she stepped in. And the second thing is, is that, you know, that began the discovery of your destiny and uh, as I've heard you share, and, you know, I know we only have a couple minutes left and, uh, you know, maybe we can hook up again one day and talk about, because I'd love to talk about mentorship. You've had some amazing mentors, absolutely. Uh, you know, and the importance of uh, fathers. I've got a really close friend of mine that mm. uh, works with me, actually, that uh, he's going into uh, some schools and all they're doing is going in and adopting uh, these uh children, uh, boys, uh, I think girls too, but anyway, that don't have fathers. So I know that we could do a whole segment on
1: that, but I really feel like somebody's watching this. Let's do it, let's do it. I'm gonna make time for you, coach, because I believe that, um, unless you have to go, but I, I really believe we are living in a time right now that even though it may look confusing, it may look distracting, yet fathers, This is a message to every father that's hearing me right now. Because like mothers, we are pillars in the development. Listen to what I'm telling you. In the development of a child's emotional well-being. The absence of my father crippled my development as a child to function in society. It crippled my ability to learn how to communicate. It crippled my ability to develop, how to love, how to communicate. And as fathers, we know how to yell. We know how to motivate. We know how to scream. We know how to preach. We know how to sing. But we don't know how to talk. And if we don't start learning how to talk to them, and number two, if we don't learn how to stop and hear them, we're going to miss out on the greatest development of a child's life. And I believe that as fathers, we're providing security, we're providing both physical and emotional security and development. But as a as a child, we need fathers that can teach us how to talk, how to communicate, how to communicate our emotions so we can be functioning men, not only in society, but in our marriages and, and being able to know what a father looks like, how a father should act like and listen this is the problem that i I love seeing the problem and the solution coach because as fathers we thrive in the ministry place we thrive in business we know how to motivate salesmen we know how to motivate our team we know how to win awards and we know how to win this and how to capture that but yet when we go home fathers we go into our man cave of our mind we shut down we don't know how to communicate with our wives we don't we don't know how to talk to our children we don't know how to connect with them we're there but we're not present yet everything inside of a kid and and even your wife is screaming for communication and today i feel like fathers need to be more present than ever before We're so driven to succeed outside in the workplace and ministry, yet we're failing at home. And home is what Christ wants us to be. I've learned this along my journey, Coach, from a very dear mentor of mine, Gary Smalley, one of the greatest council relationship people that I've ever met in my life. And he said to me, don't go around the world and try or win the world and lose your family. Wow. He says, stay home. And one of the things I learned, Coach, throughout the 25 years of my ministry is that I fell in love with the calling of God for my life because it was opening up doors worldwide. Stages were being opened. Thousands of people were hearing my testimony, and I was getting to the point where I I fell in love with the gifts that God gave me. And I fell in love with admiration that people were giving me, yet I lost my way to find the will of God. And that's what we have done as fathers is we have fallen in love with our great gifts and we're great orators and great book writing and our great, you know, stage presence on social media. And we know how to deliver motivational messages, yet we can't even write a beautiful love poem to our kids. You understand? Oh, we don't we don't totally we don't understand. stay present enough to understand that the foundation is cracked, the foundation is broken. And, and and you know this coach, that when a when a building something happens to the building and the foundation is doomed, you can no longer build on that. Today the foundation of the home is cracked, and we're in trouble if we don't start going back as fathers. And, and, and communicating and teaching and talking and listening. Man, I had a great lesson throughout my life with great mentors like Jim Baker, man. Changed my life. Taught me how to hear from God. Taught me how to fall in love with the word of God, but also taught me, coach, not to fall in love with the gifts that God granted me. Not to admire the calling that God was giving me that was opening doors all over the world. But instead, he said, I want you to learn how to find God's will. And it's going to take some time to find God's will. Don't be in a hurry. Uh Uh-oh. Don't be in a hurry to try to build yourself a name. Don't be in a hurry to be successful. Don't be in a hurry to just be a father and get the kids out of the way. Don't be in a hurry to grow old with your wife. Take your time. Let God allow you to experience the journey that it takes to finding his will. And I got to tell you, when you learn certain things as a father, you stop being in a hurry and enjoy every minute that you can, watching your kids, hearing your kids and talking to them.
0: That, that's so powerful. I, I'm going sh- to share with you a real brief story uh, to confirm what you're saying. Um, and then I want you to pray because I believe there are people on here that, and just pray as you feel led because, you know, there could be fathers that are on here. It could be people that have children that are away. And I just believe God's going to direct you and and we'll close with you praying. But um, one time I was in my car and I was, uh, I was actually a a police officer. I was a state trooper. And I was in my car and I happened to uh, catch a football game on that was in the area that I grew up. We played high school football. And so I'm listening to this ball game and the Lord speaks to me, and he says, do you know why you've never doubted that I love you? And uh, this is not a pat on the back. I don't deserve credit for this, but I have never doubted that God loves me, never. Uh, and I'm so thankful for that, but it's not anything I did uh, per se, but I just said, Lord, I, I, I guess it was uh, Sunday school. I guess it was, uh, I started going through all the list of things. And he said, no, you're listening to it. And I said, football? How did football establish that? I mean, you know, my coach, he was pretty wild. I mean, you know, I'm thinking, what, how did this happen? And he said, no, you've never doubted that I loved you because your parents told you they loved you and that I loved you. And they proved it was all true by going to all of your ball games. Wow. And it had, and it just absolutely made me realize that God had established something just through my dad showing up and being. Wow. And so I just share that with you because what you're saying, and I believe that's part of your ministry. I believe it's part of your message, the restoration of fathers. You know, what does it say is I believe in Malachi, that the hearts of the fathers would turn to the children and children to the fathers. And so Mondo, I know we've just got a couple of minutes uh, before everything kind of uh, actually shuts down on me here, but uh, why don't you uh, please, Pray for those that are watching, and uh, and just let the Lord lead you. And I'll join
1: Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Listen, if you're watching and you're hearing our voices right now, don't give up. God is on your side, first and foremost. Number two, God sees your struggle. God sees the silent scream that you're screaming in the middle of the night, trying to figure out how are you going to put your family back together again. God sees the disappointments. God saw the heartbreak that it took for you to get to where you are today. And I want you to know that you and I and coach are in the same league. There's no difference. There's no greater in his kingdom. He loves you unconditionally. There is nothing you can do to God to disappoint him. You know that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. That's fantastic. But more than that, so we can live. Sometimes we forget that we have to live. And sometimes you forget that in in your crisis, you die and your dream dies and the ministry dies and your family dies. Yet, when you keep short accounts with God, that's when you allow him to come in, to go alongside of you and work on things and help you on things and help you develop how to talk to your children, help you how to develop how to validate your wife. Listen, today I have two beautiful kids. Mila and Mateo, I got a beautiful wife, Elizabeth. They teach me every day how to be a husband, how to be a a good father. They correct me. Allow yourself to put your ego down and allow the humility to come up and learn from them. God wants to teach you through your children. God wants to teach you through your wife what humility is. Not humiliation, but humility. Meaning it's time to put your ego down. It's time to put what you think is worth more. Listen to what your children and your wife want you to validate and value the most. I want to pray for, the, for this situation in your life. Father, in the name of Jesus, for every mother listening right now, I pray that they don't lose hope on the promises and the prophetic word that you've given them to restore their marriage, to restore their friendship and their relationship with their children. I pray for every father that is struggling in the middle of the night and finding hope in places that they're not supposed to, finding themselves drowning in debt, finding themselves drowning in pornography, finding themselves drowning, trying to create more, yet at the end of the day, they're not being fulfilled. Sports cannot fulfill it. Endorsements cannot fulfill it. I pray that your spirit, that your relationship, your intimate relationship with Christ will fulfill. Fill the void that you're searching for. And I pray for peace of mind. I pray for decision-making for that father that is getting ready to make a decision that can change the trajectory of his life. I pray for peace for those that are watching right now. Lord, that they will find you because if they seek, the Bible says they will find. I pray for peace in your life right now in the name of Jesus.
0: Amen and amen. Mondo, thank you so much for taking time today. This was awesome. And and again, when you have time, I'd love to do it again and talk about some of those other things. But thank you for being with us today.
1: Coach, it is my honor. You just let me know when
0: and I'll be there. All right. Awesome. Well, guys, I want you to share this broadcast with others that you know, uh, because uh, the people around us, they need somebody to ask those questions in their life. They need somebody to ask Do you, what if God is real? What if prayer does work? And what if you have a destiny? And I believe Mondo's testimony is going to inspire a lot of people to ask those questions. Till next time, continue to live a life that continues to leave a lasting legacy and you will live a life worth remembering. God bless you.